Chris, do you see what I'm seeing? Uh, no. What are you seeing? That, that, that floating orb in the middle of the room. It looks the same from every angle. I think it's a miniature black hole. Hmm. That's a black light bulb. Were you reading your black light issue of Radiant Black again? No, man. Well, yeah, but, but it's the cosmic radiant. This is my chance to get superpowers. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Chris, uh, what's up with Lance? Oh, hey, Mason. He's trying yet again to get powers like he's seen in the comics. Again? What an idiot. Wait, is that, a, is that a miniature black hole? Oh, not another one. Mason, let's both touch the Radiant and share the powers. That definitely worked out for Nathan and Marshall, right? Oh, totally. Let's go. Children, I'm surrounded by children. Ouch. That's super hot. You feel any different? Nope. No superhero changes, just a uh, first degree burn. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Radiant Black. And, you know, when we're talking about a series this epic, this cool, this filled with black light variants, we gotta bring on a friend to talk about this franchise. And that person is Mason from Alpha Comics. Mason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm extremely excited to be here. I first heard Mason on a podcast with Sean from Metalcore Nerds and immediately messaged Sean afterwards. And I was like, I think I would be friends with your most recent guest. And he said, <laughs> you definitely would be. <laughs> yeah. Which led to me reaching out to Mason and we started talking and we have a shared love for many things, including Power Rangers, as well as the Massiverse as a whole. So Mason, why don't you tell us a little bit about you over at Alpha Comics? So Alpha Comics was something that I kind of came up with when I was much, much younger. I've always loved specifically comic books that were kind of about my generation, younger generations of people. Obviously, you've got Spider-Man, and I grew up reading Ultimate Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis, who I think everyone has experienced uh, at least a bit of that. And I always thought, man, like if I ever did my own comics, I would want it to feel like Ultimate Spider-Man. I would want it to feel like Teen Titans. I would want it to feel like Power Rangers. And so I finally, in my mid-20s, decided, hey, maybe stop screwing around and do this. And uh, so I wrote several drafts of several different comic books and fortunately found incredible artists across the entire world, literally, they're all over the place, uh, that were not only wanting to, you know, get their start in comic books, but also were eager to learn and grow themselves. And so, yeah, so now we've got this little shared universe that we're building from the ground up and it's my dream come true, and I'm living I'm living my dream come true. It's amazing. Nice. That's so cool, Mason. Thank and you. I have had the pleasure of reading one of those stories. So The Cardinal is the book that you were able to send over to me, and it is so much fun. The The humor comes through so strong, Thank and you. the character development's been great so far. So I, I am very excited to see where that series goes. Thank you, man. I, uh, Yeah, I, I, 
I sent you the uh, first draft teaser of issue two, right? As yes, well. you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've since then gotten my edits back from my editor and made those changes. So it's I feel even more strongly about it now than I did when I sent you that that one draft. Super fun. We'll get in a little bit more about Alpha Comics a little bit later because Mason has has a little surprise for our listeners. But we will get to that near the end of the issue. But I think it's time that we dive into Radiant Black. Immediately, we should say that we are going to be having some spoilers for the first trade paperback of, of Radiant Black and for the kind of the the whole story. There are a lot of twists and turns in this story. So uh, if you don't want to get spoiled, go and read Radiant Black. It's not going to take that long. It, it's, uh, it's, it, it goes very smoothly and, and quickly, and it's a fun story to read. And um, and then come back and listen to the issue where we're not going anywhere. Immediate spoilers for the first trade, just because yes. there is a twist that we have to talk about in the mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, and then we'll give another warning a little bit later once we're going to get into spoilers leading up to where the series is today because they have released issue 25 a and b and we'll get into why that is significant radiant black is a superhero from image comics under the banner of black market narrative driven to do something with their life the vessel who controls this cosmic radiant strives to be better and serve their community which seems to come under escalating threats radiant black was created by writer kyle higgins and artist marcelo costa Radiant Black first appeared in Radiant Black number one in February 2021. Radiant Black also appears in Supermassive, the annual crossover between titular heroes of the massive verse spearheaded by Kyle Higgins. Yeah, and the reason why we're being a little bit vague there in the beginning with with whoever is the vessel is because this is the first kind of like major spoiler is the fact that Radiant Black is not just been one person in this series because there is a huge twist in issue four where the person that we were introduced to pretty much gets taken out and someone else needs to take over that mantle. So to dive a little bit more into it, let's go into the origin. Struggling writer Nathan Burnett, bogged down by debt, is forced to leave LA and return to his hometown to live with his parents. Nathan reunites with his childhood friend Marshall Ward to drown their sorrows at a local bar. After a hard night of drinking, Nathan helps walk his heavily inebriated friend to the car when Marshall spots something odd hovering above the train tracks. What they discover appears to be a glowing miniature black hole suspended in midair. Upon further investigation, Nathan reaches forward and becomes endowed with a sleek suit and incredible gravitational powers. Not too long after becoming Radiant Black, however, Nathan encounters another Radiant donning a red suit. After an unfortunate exchange, Nathan is severely injured and believed to be dead. Distraught and enraged by the apparent death of his best friend, Marshall accepts the mantle of Radiant Black. What? Yeah, those spoilers. Mason, what did you think when only in issue four of the series, they basically kill off the titular character? Yeah, so I remember reading it. I think I, I, I usually try to read these on the day they release. I, I go every Wednesday to the comic shop, and I remember grabbing it. And the issue before that, if y'all remember, was all about Nathan trying to pen his script. He was just working and working and working. And it was, for all intents and purposes, kind of a slower book than the rest. And so I was like, oh, issue four is going to be, it's going to have something that grips you immediately. That Because you know that that if if there's ever a lull, that means you're about to come to a high. 
And so I'm like, dude, something crazy. Oh God, they killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I remember just being like, cause she, she drops the building on him. Right. Is yes. it the bar? I think mm-hmm. it's the, the bar, maybe a hotel or something. And I literally was, so I lie down and read in, in my bed and I literally did a like, no, wait, no, that can't. I, I thought that's not right. That can't be, he couldn't <laughs> have just died, but the, the, the robot literally says, nah, he's dead. Do you accept the radiant now? And Marshall's like, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> and it was just, it's super jarring. And it was, I think the first, the first example that Kyle Higgins put into this series that made you realize he was not going to do things the same way that other people do things that he was going to not only take chances and take risks, but he was going to quite literally change the way comic books are presented as a whole. Kyle Higgins has his own very unique way of writing comics. And it tends to be uh, twists and turns that you are not expecting. And we saw that in power Rangers because he's literally like, killing off characters in Power Rangers, which you do not see dead Power Rangers very often. Seeing this happen this early on in the series was was a big surprise. Yeah, and I I wasn't I I was a little bit unsure what to expect from the book because I came in with like the pitch of like, it's kind of like Power Rangers and and Invincible and Mm -hmm. and like, okay, and and then it was just like this one dude and I was like, "Uh, okay, this is weird, but I know that there's other colors and um, and then they show up and it's like, all right. And then when when Nathan gets taken out, I was like, wait, what is happening? Like, this is so this is not what I expected, but it's very it's very engaging. And it's just really interesting to see, like, Marshall, a completely different attitude take Mm -hmm. over the mantle. And uh, and then having Nathan come back is is really interesting, too. Just like you have this shared almost buddy cop kind of thing, kind of dynamic and and uh, all the other radiants doing their thing. It's 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 a really different way of telling an overall story um, that that's very engaging for sure. Totally. I really enjoyed how the end of each trade paperback, the final issue included is a story that relates to a separate character within this universe. Mm -hmm. So the end of issue one, you get more of this backstory for uh, Satomi. So radiant red. Mm -hmm. And then another final issue was what was really setting up radiant pink Pink. with Ava. And it, it just keeps evolving that way. Kyle does a great job of building out this universe and creating fully fleshed out characters that have then had their own spinoff series. You can read the radiant red trade paperback. You can read radiant pink and the, the talent that they've brought into this franchise is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, like you have Misty, uh, Melissa Flores, yep. and Megan Camarena on radiant pink. Oh God. And they killed it. They crushed it. It's so good. I was ecstatic to find the San Diego comic-con exclusive uh, <sighs> trade cover for that, which was the weirdest way of getting a comic ever at the con, because during the panel that Chris and I went to for the Massiverse, they said, oh, it's going to be at this table. I went to that table. They said, oh, no, it's at this booth. I go to that booth. And that was <laughs> like, oh, no, it's this other random booth that has these weird shared exclusives. And I went there. They didn't have it on the table. And they had to find the seal, the box underneath the table that had them. Damn, you worked for it. I did. I worked like very a, hard for like that a D&D one. quest. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. He's rolling dice at every table. They're like, go to C12. Mm. I rolled 
like I rolled like three nat ones in a row, and then I finally rolled that <laughs> that twenty. I needed to. Your persuasion was high. Yeah, and then I took it to the Massiverse panel signing to have Melissa and Megan sign it. And they were like, we haven't even seen this. Do we have this? And Kyle's like, if it wasn't in your box, you don't have it. <laughs> so so I actually went back to that booth and bought them the, the trade before they sold out because there were not many of them printed. I think there was a limited run of like 500 or something like wow. that. Wow. And at San Diego Comic-Con, that'll yes. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I brought it back to them and then they they Venmoed me back. But <laughs> it was just what? this it was this weird like a con adventure and I, I ended up missing out on a panel because of it but i still i had a fun experience being able to help out the creators that have put so much work into yeah. a franchise that i love so it, it was definitely worth it that's awesome dude mason do you want to talk a little bit about the well the limited names and aliases that we have but then get a little bit into what the power set we have for radiant black yeah so Obviously, like you mentioned, we've got both Nathan and Marshall, and this story is very much the same way the powers are shifted back and forth between them. This story is very much so shifted back and forth between focusing on on them, uh, which is great because for what I think the first time in any comic books, we're getting to experience two different leads that have two different motivations and two different ways about going about being a hero and why they want to be that hero and what their objectives are as that hero. And for the most part, people in in their world don't know that there's two people sharing this 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 mantle. So the consequences of one are at risk of affecting the other. So basically, what we've got is flight, super strength. Not it's not telekinesis, but it's almost like uh, gravitational wielding. You're wield, yeah. wielding gravity or, or so. Force pushing. That that is a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, the cosmic blasts, which always looks sick because. The artist on these books, um, is it Marcelo? Marcelo Costa, Costa, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He he's just incredible, and I love his almost manga style uh, drawings that he does for the powers being used. And then he's got his his god mode, which I think is essentially just radiant black on crack. Is what it feels like. It's just he's got like his stamina is completely jolted, and and he's he's got his cape, and he his costume is a little bit more blacked out. For all intents and purposes, he's kind of the ultimate hero without being too overpowered. Yeah, he's not. He he's not. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna. He has his weaknesses, and and that's that's cool. And also probably one of the the best uh, modern superhero designs. And and that God mode. It, it, it's like if he got the Mario star. Yeah. It's like <laughs> went ballistic. It, it's really interesting. And I'll say, I'll say at this point, we are going to get more into the spoilers that are further on into the series. So if you don't want to know too much more, go read all the trade paperbacks. There's only 25 issues of the series right now. And then come back and listen to the rest of this because that, that God mode that we're getting to see Marshall is the only one of the two that's been able to do it so far, mm-hmm. which has played into the anger that Marshall has within him. And Mason, you brought this up of how Nathan and Marshall are two very different individuals with varying motivations for what they're doing. We have Nathan, who is just kind of always been this like trying to do the right thing, but keeps messing up and, and failing. And then you have Marshall, which is who's this hothead that constantly is, is, choosing like brash actions and getting himself into trouble, but trying to work on himself, but no one believes that he is 
becoming a better individual, even those closest to him, which kind of breaks him yeah, in absolutely. ways. Uh, there's there's a lot of depth to these characters. Chris, who who do you see holding the mantle of Radiant Black better? Who do you want to see in this position of power? I mean, you know, it's tough because on one hand, you always have that kind of anti-hero vibe of Marshall as, as being the more interesting of like, well, if you go down further in a negative direction, then you have more of a redemption arc. Um, I mean, but also he's he's also had it longer. And I kind of want to see what Nathan could do if he if kind of has the time to officially bond with like i think at one point the robot says like oh he's he's officially synced or something like that and and i don't know if nathan has had that ability to do that and and so maybe like if he gets to the point where he can go to god mode and like do the do the things that you can do at full power like i kind of would love to see him to see him eventually like own the mantle and then marshall doing something else or, or i don't know like because it's really a story about this kind of brotherly love or or some kind of, you know, platonic male love that that, you know, he, he's just like, you're you're the person that's holding me together in this world. And he even gets resentful about like, you know, Nathan's relationships. And he's like, well, you're going to leave me. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. You know, and it's really just about a story of them like bonding and being together and and having this experience together so it's it's interesting that you know one of them is going to get it and hopefully not tear up their relationship how about you mason uh kind of like what he mentioned about everybody loves a good redemption arc and seeing someone go further and further down a dark path it is almost more satisfying when you see them start to do good um i don't know if y'all ever watched heroes uh but there's there's an episode in that when siler finally embraces the good and someone's like how could you do this you're you're evil and he says no i'm a hero and he and that gave me goosebumps and that's kind of the way i feel about marshall in a much less dramatic sense because marshall isn't murdering people to steal their powers um but the thing about marshall that makes me that would worry me if he was radiant black was actually a good flashback. I don't want to spoil it, but we we've seen what Marshall has done in the past when he's been bullied and we've seen how he's reacted to, I feel like he he's, he's a, I'm going to get my revenge type guy. I feel like Nathan is the kind of person who he wants to do good because he wants to protect the people around him and he won't make snap decisions that could, that could end up hurting people. And even Marshall himself says, you know, like I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone. I just want to protect people. But you could tell that he knows. I, I know it's a possibility that I might that I might lose my I might go too far and lose my cool and and so at the end of the day, I'm I lean towards Nathan because I think that Nathan is a little bit more of your Steve Rogers, Hal Jordan, Boy Scout type guy who just wants to do good because he knows it's the right thing, not because he feels like oh this is my chance to to be powerful when other people made me feel small. My nature leans towards Nathan, but my serious interest to see what's going to happen next lies with Marshall. And I think I, I think there's a lot more chaos that's going to ensue if we have Marshall with the Radiant Black going forward. As far as affiliations, there's so there's the Supermassive series, which we've gotten like it's basically like the annual 
that you get for all of these different books within the Massiverse, but they're not, that's not like their official name or anything. So there's no real affiliation. Chris, you want to get into the supporting characters? Yeah. So supporting characters, we have Eva or Ava, uh, Radiant Pink, uh, Wendell, George, who is Radiant Yellow, Satomi Sone, Mm -hmm. uh, Radiant Red, Infernal Girl Red, Dead Lucky, Rogue Sun, and then the Radiance and the Colossals. So a lot of the other characters in some of the other Massiverse books. Um, And antagonists, we have characters like Shift, a.k.a. Guy. His name is Guy. (laughs) 001, who is the kind of badass uh, cosmic slash character, um, slash kind of mentor, but they have to fight him for a while. Uh, Doppler, Excel, Sheer, Riley, and Mecha premiere and the incoming catalyst empire so some some local baddies that kind of power off of their energy but also some big uh big inner interdimensional intergalactic bad robots and and forces that are coming back to potentially take back their power so um it's it's gonna get it's gonna get real pretty soon it's crazy to think that, like, before this Catalyst War, the largest threats that they really faced were, you know, like you mentioned, like Doppler and and um, Shift and all of them, like, those were very ground-level threats, I think. I mean, a little bit heightened, but they literally went from, like, street fights to, we have to save the entire existence <laughs> right now. And, yeah, I don't think that ni- that either of them have enough training to do that. Mm-hmm. What if they just die? What if both I mean, of them I, die? I think the, the the big robot when it showed up in Brazil was the first really big like world yeah. threatening thing. Like, uh, I think I mean it's, it's it's like that was like oh this is pretty big because they fought each other. They did the thing where they you know it was radiant black, radiant red, and then it was kind of like hey we're gonna fight zero zero one, which is pretty big fight, but it's also kind of localized, and and then the the big robots. Uh, we're like, oh, okay, this is this is starting to get more and more threatening. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting how they they've kind of leveled up. Uh, the villains have kind of leveled up as well as they have as well. So, and did you notice? I think it was twenty three. I think it was twenty three. Uh, you've you're at you've passed twenty three, right, mm-hmm. Chris? Mm-hmm. So there was. First of all, I don't know if if Wendell is just like living at marshall's house at that point (laughs) like he's just just there like working on that that old robot but there's like the scene where they're like well how much time do we have and then two robots just like shred the roof off and (laughs) and at first nathan's got the the radiant and he's like i can he's kind of like i can do this i can do this and it isn't until Marshall sees that his dog, um, what's his name, Orson, yeah. is in danger. And he's like, give me the fucking Radiant. Yeah, give it to me. And, and Wendell's like, give it to him. Do it. Do it. And he sends it to him. And that's when Marshall go, goes into God mode. Because he's so, I, it's like his dog. He literally John Wicks it. He's yes. like, do not touch my dog. And he he just absolutely shreds like two or three. Ro- Actually, I think it's like six robots. Like four, maybe four to six robots. And he shreds them. He wa- he wasn't even worried about his house getting destroyed. No, he was like my dog. Like, yeah. There, I just remember there's a panel of him screaming like Orson, no. And then he's like, give me, give me the radiant. And that's when he gets it. And that's when he goes god mode and just absolutely destroys. And so I think it's kind of easy to see where his where his um, you know, like what the breaking point is for Marshall is he's like 
if you hurt someone that I'm really close to, or obviously he loves his dog, and we've seen that in the past in this book, that's when he's really, really triggered into that explosive god mode. Marshall's power set definitely lies within his emotion, and I'm not sh- honestly sure where Nathan's strength comes from just yet. Because no, I don't, I don't think we've really seen him pop off yet. No, uh, I mean they do go back into existence. This, I think, it's issue twenty-four, mm-hmm. and that—that's when they kind of have to go through those like trials to like, I—I I think to admit to themselves what they want from the radiant, and I think he—that's when he's kind of like, I think he just wants to go back to L.A. and you know try to start his career off again. And so I don't I don't know what's really motivating him as far as the radiant goes. It hasn't really shown what like what it is. There's a little mention I'm kind of looking at now. It says like that this uh, guide that that looks like uh, the the other writer that's had some success <laughs> um, is yeah. like, oh do yeah. You, do you have it in you, Nathan, to push through to actually accomplish something? Like he's kind of saying like you have not had anything sold. You've not been a successful writer. Like this is, and even early on it, when he still has it, he's like, I really, I I don't want to mess this up too. Like he he sees this as like, Hey, I can do something cool. This is power. And I've always seen it with Nathan is like, this is like, Oh, this is a chance for me to do something that makes a difference, whether it's writing or saving people. Like he just wants to help. Totally. That's actually really sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, is. is that the guy who offers him money? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like his ex's new boyfriend, isn't yeah. it? Or something like yeah. that. Who's like the hot writer and, and yeah, who had re- who had previously stolen. Uh, oh yeah, previously yeah. yeah. stole his idea. It's a very Hollywood. Like, there, there's a whole other side of this that's like Hollywood writer commentary, which is even more interesting with all the writer stuff going on right oh, now. Oh yeah, it's, the writers' strike. It's just. Yeah, it's just, it's just really interesting because like there's this whole other side which I'm sure Higgins understands about being yeah. a writer and just like how cutthroat it is and coming up with ideas and pitching ideas and sure. having ideas taken and everything. So it's uh yeah, it's like it's like this I've never seen a comic go in to be like here's the script and and like just it's a different way of showing what and not just Nathan but like it, it really goes into the jobs of every one of the characters and like when when Eva has her her episode and it really goes into like the streaming woes of like getting people cool. to subscribe and like it's like all right and then you see uh, Wendell's pit past of like his stuff and like him trying to work through different jobs and having to fire people like they really spend time on the real life like uh, stresses and and stressors of, yeah. of of these different like everyday jobs and they're very rooted in like modern society like streaming yeah. and and uh you know writing first for um you know tv series and 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 stuff like that yeah it's i love that too especially with eva's streaming stuff because you feel like you're reading like it's the exact same thing that you see every single day where people are like struggling to be content creators and stuff and she's balancing that with her best friend kind of managing her and then also like is jumping back and forth from one you know planet to another in her miniseries and yeah that's that's really that's really grounding or even satomi who's radiant red like her fiance who ends up getting into like gambling problems and she's trying to solve it but then she's like you're a jerk i'm leaving and and that was her whole thing is like i'm i'm trying to like fix these 
you know, this problem that you've created, but it ends up being like, she's turns herself in because she's like, I just can't, you know, <laughs> deal with this. Yeah. She, so she's been in, in prison the whole time since, since her miniseries, right? I yeah. don't, she hasn't popped back up. Mm-mm. No, just, just for this latest 25. issue. Yeah. yeah. That came out. Yeah. Cause I remember it showed her and I was like, well, it's good to see her. I guess I was like, wait, how did she? And I was like, yeah, I guess an interdimensional robot can pull you out of prison. That's fine. That makes sense <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. A- Ava just was like, yeah, we need to get you out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's take care of this. So this is a super original story. And we've talked about how it's really into, you know, delves into the writing and the amazing art. So let's find a little bit more about our creators as we go into the archives. Our co-creators for Radiant Black are writer Kyle Higgins and artist Marcelo Costa. Not only did we previously cover Kyle Higgins all the way back on issue 26 of our show when we did a deep dive into Power Ranger comics, but just this last week, this last issue that dropped before this one is an in-depth interview with Kyle Higgins, which was an absolute blast. I highly recommend going and checking out that issue because we dive deep into how Radiant Black came to be and his backstory and writing and how his experience uh, with film school also affects the way he writes and creates. Because we've covered Kyle Higgins previously, we are going to focus on Marcelo Costa. Now, sadly, there is not a lot of information out there about Marcelo, and the interviews that I was able to find are in Portuguese, uh, because he is from Brazil. Uh, So this is going to be limited information, but I was able to glean a little bit of information from the interview with Kyle Higgins, so I'm going to throw that in here as well. So, Marcelo is a comic book artist and colorist from Brazil. Prior to Radiant Black, Marcelo was primarily known for his work as a colorist on a wide variety of titles, including Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Firefly, Hidden Society, Self Made, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder in Hell. Marcelo has worked on Capital Fei, and I am, or Fayo, I am so sorry, I can't read Portuguese, but th- <laughs> that was a title for Panini Comics Brazil. Radiant is, in fact, Marcelo's first work as an artist for Image Comics. That's impressive, dude. Right? Could you imagine? So you're working as a colorist, right? You're, you're killing it on all these different titles because his colors on Power Rangers, amazing. His yeah. stuff with TMNT, Shredder, and Hell, phenomenal. And then going straight to just being the full-on artist of one of the most yeah. popular new series out there. I- incredible. So yeah. good. In the previous issue where I talked with Kyle Higgins, he gave an in-depth explanation for how Radiant Black came into existence. But I'll hit the highlights here, but I do want you all to go listen to that issue as well. When he was developing Radiant Black, it actually started out with having it be this concept for a big over-the-top coinless digital series. And if you don't know what the coinless is, it is the world that Kyle Higgins created during his time on Power Rangers. In this series or in this arc of Power Rangers, it is an alternate reality where an evil version of Tommy, the Green Ranger, has taken over. He has succeeded in ruling the world and it leads to these other Rangers with limited powers going up against him. And during this time period, they actually did a a little promo. What would you say, Mason? They did like a promo trailer. trailer 
for for this arc and it involved jason david frank the the live action actor who played tommy in the power ranger series and he becomes draken who is the this evil version of tommy in this reality after they do this filming which was actually jason david frank's idea to do that teaser trailer they started talking about doing a digital series potentially solely about the coinless universe but because of power rangers being bought out by hasbro that concept kind of dwindled away robbed yes we were definitely (laughs) robbed because the coinless universe is phenomenal we we do have a little bit more coinless going on in power rangers right now because of what's what what's happening with melissa flores and darkest hour thank you melissa flores yes thank goodness melissa is a beast she's crushing it over there this concept that was going to be a little bit more gritty involved elements of what was going to become radiant black but now that the coinless digital series had basically been killed they kyle had moved on to this uh, project where it was set in a post-tech dystopia coyotes are like moving people all over the place and a miniature black hole shows up uh, and the series was going to be called radiant black move forward to where kyle is working over at dc comics he pitched this idea about a mid to late 20s individual who was laid off from Wayne Enterprises and moves back with his parents to the Gotham suburbs. So does that sound familiar a little bit to, <laughs> to something we see in Radiant mm-hmm. Black? Uh, the series was going to be a digital short series of six issues with artist uh, Cian Tormi, but they ended up getting more work on Batman titles around 2019. So that, again, kind of fell through. And that's when Eric Stevenson, the publisher at Image Comics, asked Kyle if he had any interest in building an original superhero series over at Image Comics. But it was kind of pushed as being more like optimistic sci-fi versus considering it like a superhero title. So Kyle started developing the series for Image to pitch it, where it was all about his greatest fears, a writer in crippling credit card debt who has to move back in with his parents. It was set in Kyle Higgins' hometown. But the story isn't about Kyle, but he mentioned that there's a lot of him in the series. Marcelo Costa joined in and nailed the character design very quickly with only after like two passes. And then Eric Stevenson also mentioned that Kyle should share this information of that image was looking for people wanting to create original superheroes, to which Kyle immediately reached out to Ryan Parrott, who was enthusiastically developed like three to four different pitches, which ended up leading to Rogue Son. And I bring this up specifically for you, Chris, because I think it wasn't an issue that I wasn't involved in, or maybe I was, I can't remember, but you had called Rogue Sun Dark Sun. But it turns oh, out yeah. Dark Sun was the original pitch name that Ryan Parrott came to with it, and it was later changed to Rogue Sun. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew that. <laughs> it was, a, it was, I, w- I was using. I was using Wendell's powers and be like, oh, it's a past yeah. past life alternative. <laughs> but that's where we're at. This is our back history. I wish we had more information on Marcelo Costa, but that is kind of a, a brief overview of how Radiant Black came to be. If you want to, again, if you want to know the full story, go and listen to that previous issue. And I have talked way too much. So <laughs> why don't why don't you guys take over and tell us what our listeners should be reading yeah. as it relates to Radiant Black? Well, this is pretty simple, uh, right, Mason? So we, yeah. we have, there's basically, a, a, it's just, it's not what to read, but it's how do you want to read it. So, I mean, you could definitely get it digitally uh, through image. Um, there's some great trades, which I have right here. You know, you can, there's four trades currently, um, about six issues each. And 
um issue 25 just came out so they're i'm sure that the fifth trade will be out six issues in probably collecting at least the first part of the catalyst war if not the whole thing however however long that's going to be or you can go for the single issues there's some great uh alternate covers that are out there variant covers have you all heard anything about like a giant trade or like a like a bigger version like hardcover that would be sick though if they did i just want a a hardcover with a matte black and with just an embossed glowing black, the, yeah, the black hole on it. That's all it needs to be. The book itself just yeah. glows. Yeah. Image is yeah. known for putting out incredible hardcovers. Their collected yeah. editions are fantastic. So mm-hmm. I would sure not be surprised. I would not be surprised if we get hardcovers. Yeah. And it, it's weird because your standard trade paperback, each story arc is six issues. But knowing what we know about the Catalyst War, which is going to be six issues, but we know they've got the AB cover splits. It's like, what is that trade paperback going to be? Is there going to be a trade paperback of all A's and a trade paperback yeah. of all B's, or will it like go like one two one two one two one two like that? Like it's it's kind of that's interesting to think about, and I hadn't even considered that before because they're, they're doing twelve issues. <laughs> yeah, Mason, you mentioned that Catalyst War is going to be one one arc, so we have the six issues. Do you want to dive into what it's going to look like because? we have this split in the series right now. So why don't you explain what's going to be happening moving forward? Shortly before the Catalyst War started, we were introduced to the idea that even though these two characters are splitting the powers back and forth between each other, that they're glitching out because they think that the Radiant is broken. They end up going to existence, which is all kinds of shattered and destroyed, only to find out by the robot that it's not broken. What's happening is they are not able to split it between two people because it's only designed to synchronize with one. So as the Catalyst War approaches, which is basically that the creators of the Radiance are coming, or Catalyst himself is coming back to take the Radiant, basically what they've ended up realizing is they had to choose, which really us, the readers, got to choose through a QR code in the back of issue 24, who the new Radiant was going to be. So right before the new arc the Catalyst War started, we were we learned that they chose either this person or that. But what Kyle Higgins and company did not tell people was that if you pick up different books, there are different covers, they're only putting out two variant covers. Each one of those covers features a different ending to that question, who will be the Radiant Blast? Dun, dun, dun. So as the Catalyst War continues, they have an art team on cover A, and a separate art team on cover B that are both telling the same story through a split timeline, one of which being how would the Catalyst War go in a timeline where Nathan becomes Radiant Black, and the other, how would the Catalyst War go if it were Marshall that becomes Radiant Black. And the assumption is that by the end of the Catalyst War, both timelines will remerge and we'll end up finding out who the definitive Radiant will be from that point on, which I guess is at issue 31. Yes. Yeah. So in issue 30, Kyle said that we will know who is the sole wielder of the radiant black. So the answer, so that poll that went out, we will know who won that poll in issue 30. It's so such an interesting concept. This is something that isn't seen in comics. Like you don't get things, you, you don't get things like this, which is something that radiant black and Massiverse books in general have been pushing for. Chris, earlier you mentioned about the Wendell's issue where you get his 
it's it's a, his story but told throughout four different phases of his life that was you, so cool and you can read it you can fold it out and you can read like each time period or you can read it in succession of like where he's at because there's so many great parallels in each level yeah that that was just a great that great like sequential art exercise and i even if you if nothing else I, I would say like just seek out that one to look at how it was done because that was just really cool did you read that in timeline order or in page order i read page i read it timeline i i i read actually the last one i kind of did like a weird like i want to see the, yeah. the this vision of the future and then i went back and read the very first one and then the middle and then the yeah yeah wasn't that a beautiful book too it's, it's so, so good and it was heartbreaking at times like everything mm-hmm. going on with his daughter and and his job like yeah it completely made me rethink my feelings of wendell as a character because yeah. like oh, who's this guy like he's got time powers but then it just like was like whoa <laughs> like he's been through so much stuff and just yeah like different you know yeah it was it was interesting and then we get blacklight issues in the series we've had mm. two of them so far uh over in the other books in masterverse you've gotten the um in rogue sun it's basically like that choose your own adventure incredible uh, comic and there's just so much fun stuff going on within the masterverse to the point where the other things you need to be reading are these super massive annuals that are coming out. So we we have two, one from 2022 and one from 2023, which brings in Radiant Black, Rogue Sun. You get Inferno Girl Red. Uh, you get like a little tease of Dead Lucky in the first one. And then she's more involved in the, the 2023 issue as well. Yeah. Uh, but But that is really all you need to read for this series. There are... 25 issues of the main series and the two like annuals really but then again like we mentioned moving forward from issue 25 on through 30 there will be a cover a cover b you will want to pick up both because you want to see where those stories are going to diverge if i remember correctly someone let me know that when they tried to when they purchased them digitally because this particular individual only reads digitally they bought cover a but then we're only charged a dollar for cover B. So that's I don't know good. if there's a, a discount for buying them digitally. I haven't looked more mm-hmm. into it, but I know that's what popped up on there. I don't know if they have got like a special offer through Comixology or, or an, another digital platform for reading comics. But I would definitely look into that if you do like to read digitally, if you're wanting to. But but like pick up the physical copies too. If you have the means, get the physical copies because mm-hmm. they're, they're amazing. Talking about the comics that we have in our hands, Let's get into a little bit about the, our Grail finds. So things that are associated with Radiant Black that we that we cherish and love. Chris, do you have any Grails for Radiant Black? Oh well, I mean, I just I just got the trades, um, so I don't really have any individual issues. Uh, but I know I know y'all do, so I'll turn it over to you. I am excited to hear what Mason has recently acquired because Mason just went to a con where he met none other than who. Kyle Higgins. Hey, yes. the dad, <laughs> the dad, the, of father, the father of comics. Yeah. So I um, feel extremely lucky. So I went to his Q and a panel and he chatted about the massive verse and stuff. And he does this thing where he asks, he says, Hey, if someone in the audience wants to ask a question, you can ask your question and then I'll gift you whatever you want from this table. 
my grail find was something that I didn't think existed except at one con, and I thought they sold out of all of these and they didn't exist anymore. But, um, you know, it we kind of were just talking about this. I was able to get the accordion edition of Wendell's yes. of the story. So this, yeah, is the one that just folds out like that and oh, dope. just keeps going. <laughs> so you can actually lay it down on a table and read in timeline order without flipping pages and then just read stripe after stripe after stripe after stripe. And I didn't think that the, like, I didn't think I would ever see one of these in person. I of course just bought the standard print of it because these are way too expensive to just print for every comic shop. Mm -hmm. So whenever this issue, I think it's 17, 18, whenever this came out, I knew that this existed from seeing um, a video of Kyle displaying it. I think at, San Diego Comic-Con last year or something, some event that he was at, some Comic-Con. And I was like, oh my God, wouldn't that be so sick to have? Yeah, he he was like displaying it. He was like showing it to everyone. People were holding it up. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my, like I have to ask a question just for that. So I asked a question just so I could come up and get this. And <laughs> fortunately he had it on the table still. And I'm, yeah, I'm extremely stoked about it. I, I think I'll, uh, finally get I'll, I'll lay it all out on my bed or something and just walk across it and read it <laughs> amazing did you get it signed by him after the panel no i did have he he had uh i signed i had him sign mighty morphin power rangers issue one and radiant black issue one because i have multiple variants of radiant black issue one so i had him sign those that way i can have those kind of just dis just displayed and, and still have my reading copies because I will end up rereading a, a million times. But um, I didn't have him sign that one uh, just because after his Q&A panel, uh, I knew he was kind of trying to pack up his his table and stuff. It was getting a little bit later. So I didn't want to like be like, hey, will you sign this too? I did get to chat with him for a little bit more after that. Um, but yeah, man, maybe I should have had him sign that. Damn it. <laughs> okay. You did fine. You, you did good. Yeah, you I'll did find great. him again. I'll yeah. see him again you, you also got to hand him his blank check, right? Yeah, we chatted about that. It was kind of funny. He, uh, yeah, brought, we brought it up a few times actually, and he just kept saying, no, "I'm down for that blank check if if you've got it." I'll, I, and I was like, you know, maybe so. I did tell him, "Hey, look, when it happens, when you make these action figures, I'll be there at Target the day they drop. I'll be there for for whatever." And I know a lot of people like to think that it's super simple. Oh, you're at Image Comics. Just have Todd McFarlane make them, blah, blah, blah. And of course, that's not, that's just not how it is. You can't just be like, hey, Todd McFarlane, can you make these things that might cost you $100,000 to make, but you only make $10,000 back on them? So I know, I know it's like, a, you know, they have to have the right means to, to make action figures. But I think it's pretty clear that that's going to be the future for these, because the Massiverse just is in general growing at a steady rate it, it it's not declining or dropping they're able to have more creators come on now and you know that that is an indication that it's doing well enough that we can hope that action figures are the next logical step of merchandise and it will be awesome because these character designs like marcelo costa absolutely crushed the radiant black design we have incredible designs across all of the other properties the rogue sun design is so unique like medieval yeah. futuristic uh, Dead Lucky is sick, like Dia de los Muertos, like feel to yeah. to the look. Oh, it's great. I want all the figures. I will buy them all. Yeah, it's pretty obvious we would buy them all. Right, exactly. And if you're confused, like what blank check thing? Again, listen to the previous issue with Kyle Higgins. Trust me, yeah. go listen to it. <laughs>
for my grail find, uh, I have a couple. I have my uh, Radiant Black uh, number one, the David Finch variant, uh, signed uh, by, I had it signed by Kyle Higgins at San Diego Comic-Con last year. I wasn't able to get it signed by David Finch at the con. I got a Moon Knight issue signed by him, but in the future, I will get David Finch to sign that issue. And I also have uh, issue 10, the Black Light variant, but it's the Black Market Narrative variant which uh Whoa. they they had it like a special event and it was only through black market narrative which is kind of like kyle higgins like umbrella it's i don't know if it's technically an imprint of image it's just like his it's like his company is black market narrative yeah this issue is stunning and i have to give a massive shout out to uh my friend chris hacker friend of the show from the oblivion bar podcast i wasn't able to attend a particular co- convention and i was feeling left out and Chris actually surprised me with uh, a package that I got in the mail and it included this issue signed by Kyle. Uh, so again, thank you so much, Chris, Mr. Chris Hacker from the Oblivion Bar. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much. Those are the grails that I have for Radiant Black. That David Finch cover is one of the coolest, dude. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I that... think I, I think that's the one that Kyle was saying. He was just like, hey, let me do a let me do a cover for you. And Kyle was like, "Yeah, what? Absolutely, do one." And he sent it over, and he was immediately like, "This is." I think that might be the only traditional pencil drawing that's ever been done for Radiant Black in an official capacity. Oh, that's cool! I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I, I heard Kyle say that on a different podcast where he said because all of the other artists have done it digitally, and so that David Finch cover is the only one where he has an actual physical paper of the pencils uh, and mm. maybe inks are on it as well but uh, oh, i would imagine the inks were on a scan of it but yeah yeah that's that david finch cover i actually have a you cannot see it but i have a poster of it oh right super cool there yeah that i printed at work <laughs> <laughs> does, does does higgins have that that cover like that I the original cover? i'm not sure if he said he has it or if david finch still has it i know most of the time the pencilers will keep it and sometimes auction them off. Right. Yeah. That That's awesome. Who would be y'all's two, like each one of y'all, who would be your dream artist to do a variant cover for radiant black? Oof. Oh boy. I'm, I automatically go to like Jim Lee. Mm. Jim Lee would be incredible. Uh, Ryan Otley. Yeah. Ryan Otley would be, obviously <laughs> would be incredible. Oh man. Like my brain goes to Dan Mora, but like, I feel like Dan Mora has, has to have already done a a cover for it. I don't know if he has. Uh, I, I would honestly be really down to see Stephanie Hans do, do a cover or, uh, Sana Takeda from monstrous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think she would do a really cool version of radiant black or, or like one of the, the villains on the cover. I would be very down to see that. Yeah. Now I need to look up if Dan Moore has done a variant because I would definitely. Yeah, I don't know. That yeah, that would be sick. I, I also really like Jason Fabok, who's done a lot of DC work. He did the Batman Three Jokers mm-hmm. miniseries. And I, I really want to see like some pencil artists traditionally done Radiant yeah. Black work because I know that that would be incredible. Or someone like Mark Bagley, who, yes. who did Ultimate Spider-Man. Like imagine him doing Radiant Black. That would be. Damn, he's got to have some time to do that. He needs to take off. <laughs> you need to take off from Spider-Man to do a Radiant Black cover. Amazing. Our next segment is usually adaptations, but we really don't have too much yet. The only thing we have was in issue 15 of Radiant Black, there was a QR code that linked you to an animated short, which Kyle Higgins directed 
uh, because like going back to his directorial roots and producing roots, uh, it featured Radiant Black versus Blaze. And, and Blaze is a character from uh, another Cowell. Kyle Higgins property, Cowell, uh, which you should all read. And the link for that, I think it's like a, a little over five minutes of a video. Yeah. Takes you to a YouTube animation. Yes. So we'll link that in the show notes. And Radiant Black is voiced by Wilfred Dell. Who I met yesterday. Oh my God. <laughs> I am so <laughs> At the jealous. con. They had a Boy Meets World reunion panel thing going on. <laughs> but Ben Savage wasn't there. But it was Wilfred Dell. Um, Diane official or D- Danielle Fisher official, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryder strong was there. Matthew Lawrence was there. Uh, oh, and then, Oh God, I'm, re- I'm forgetting Sean's girlfriend's name on the show. Angela is her name. Angela. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I can't think of her real name. Yeah. Is, so the five, the five or six of them were there. And so I didn't get Wilfred L's autograph or anything like that. I just saw him in passing as I was passing by his booth. And I was just like, Oh my God, you're Batman beyond. Yes. Oh my God. He is. I kind of did the. So when they do a Radiant Black full animation movie, you're you're down. He kind of said, "Talk to Kyle." <laughs> <laughs> Will Friedel is like one of the people I want to meet most at a con. So I I have an animation cell, like an official animation cell from Batman Beyond, and I want him to sign it. Oh, where yeah. did you get that? I got it online before animation film cells like popped off. Wow, dude, that was that was funny in the comic when when you know Radiant Black goes over and he's like, and I can't believe you're making this thing. And wait, is that Will Friedle? It was just so yeah, uh-huh. kind of specific and out there. And you saw a little thing. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> and he's like waving in yeah. the background. <laughs> I like that they're willing to to reference other properties in the mm. massive verse. Like they're willing to say outright. Like I think in Supermassive there's one part where Marshall's like, are we doing a Star Trek generations on this thing? And it's like, it's cool that you just, that you just directly said it instead of like beating around the bush. And the same with Wilfred He's like, Oh, Batman beyond is yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fine. Yeah. Just let me rewrite it to where I win the fight. And we're good to go. (laughs) It's so good. There's, there's just so much like levity to the series. There's some, there's some serious tones in here, but there's so much fun as well, which makes it such an engaging read. Absolutely. Yeah. So check out that little animation or wait until you get to the right issue and then follow the QR code. It will it will take you to it, um, which is fun. I also like the little QR code where it where when they had the the merch and it was like, scan this QR code for the merch and it takes you to the Radiant Black merch page. <laughs> brilliant. And the website. Was like, so that's, brilliant. that's that's awesome. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. It's very it's very interactive. It just kind of goes along with the uh the interactiveness of of you know the just the different uh, sequential art styles and everything like that so uh so moving on to the next segment and our final segment of the show which is what each issue we do what nerds do best we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love this issue we decided to ask what comic book arc or storyline would you like to see split into a parallel reality. So in honor of what's going on in the Catalyst War. So the in the incoming Catalyst Empire is coming. Premier is leading this, this uh battle to Earth. And now I'm interested in seeing like that story is getting split and we're gonna see it come back together. What comic storyline would the two of you like to see split 
and potentially come back together. But uh, let's talk about those parallel realities you'd like to have seen. And Mason, as our guest, I'll have you go first. All right. So I told you, oh, I really needed to think about that one. But in all actuality, I ended up remembering something that I had an idea for a few years ago that I always wished would happen but hasn't happened. So maybe I'll force my way into uh, Skybound Entertainment and have them let me write this (laughs) for them someday. But I had come up with a a sort of similar idea for a comic series, a miniseries called Transformers War for Realm 1. And basically, the idea was that there's some sort of glitch in the AllSpark that ends up breaking apart the realities into separate ones where we have a team of tattered and older Transformers, both on the Autobot side and on the Decepticon side and and other related um, warriors all forming a, a multiversal Transformers team that features like the live action film version of Megatron fighting alongside the 1986 version of Optimus Prime with maybe B- Bumblebee from like the 2001 animated show. And basically it's, it's a multiversal team of Transformers that have to fix the energy that split the world apart in order to kind of bring it back together. And in doing that, are actually erasing certain timelines from existence to where it all gets streamlined into one new. And I just thought that that would have been a cool, some sort of thing like that called Transformers War for Realm 1, where they're they're like, we need to fix this, and the only way to do it is to sacrifice some of the realms and, and, uh, and have one constant timeline. And I know that that kind of concept has been done before in, in like, you know... Um, Crisis on Infinite Earths and stuff like that, but I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I want to see, I want to see like certain Transformers. I want to see like certain ones die and certain ones exist in in another reality with other ones, kind of like that. That's awesome. I would read that. So would I. <laughs> I would write that. <laughs> nice. All right, Chris, how about you? Well, why don't you go first? I'm still kind of finalizing mine. Sure. Uh, so mine is I. I would love to see a parallel storyline where planet Hulk can continue to where uh, spoilers for planet Hulk near the end. So there, there's an event that happens. I'll be as vague as I possibly can. There's an event that happens and it completely destroys Bruce Banner slash Hulk's world to the point where he is enraged once again, and he heads back to earth to get that revenge. But prior to that, he had fought through the gladiatorial pits he had learned about himself, seeing who his true self is. He fell in love. He had this band of friends. And he honestly, at the e- near the end of this of Planet Hulk, he's happy. He he is being seen as this savior of these people. He has gotten rid alongside with his friends. He has gotten rid of the big bad of the story. And he's just about to lead this populace with those most trusted next to him he has rebuilt his entire life then of course like i mentioned a catalyst occurs and boom he's right back to being enraged hulk heads back to earth and there's then that's what leads to world war hulk i want to see the storyline where hulk continues to be this leader on on sakar i want to see him be a, a true father with the woman that he loves on this planet I want to see him uh, rule with his trusted advisors of his friends that were able to take help, um, take back control of this world, give it power back to the people, and and see Hulk as more of a 
a democratic ruler. I, I want to see it in a way that we haven't seen Hulk before. And I know that sound potentially sounds kind of boring. Of course, there's going to be punching. It's a Hulk book. There will be yeah. punching moving forward. But I want to see Hulk in in a way that we haven't seen it before. And the dichotomy of seeing a parallel book where you see what's going on in World War Hulk versus what could potentially continue on on Planet Hulk as being this ruler that cares for this population would be so interesting. And seeing where the two versions of him diverge and what he could have become if he was given the chance to actually have a happy life. That would be sick. Nice. Would you want him to stay Hulk throughout the whole, all of Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the premise behind planet Hulk was that the, the woman that he falls in love with is able to help him realize who he truly is. He's able to make that, mm -hmm. that connection and, and that um, like he's able to talk with while still being the Hulk mm -hmm. and he's talking intelligently and it's because she allowed the Bruce and the Hulk entity to, to finally become merged in the way he should have been for so long. It, it's a, it's a beautiful story The it's, it's heartbreaking to, to what happens near the end. There's like gravitas to the story. It is a very complex story and oh, I just love it so much, but definitely he stays Hulk the whole time because the Hulk entity and Banner have, have really like merged into one. I love that. That would rule. Hey, big guy, son's getting real low. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh, his son might not have been such a tool. True. What's his nun's, son's name? Scar? Scar. Scar. Well, that's yeah. way better than all the, all the inbred Hulks in Old Man Logan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> way better than that. Oh, uh, yeah. That was, that was weird. Yes, it was. But I love Old Man Logan too. But it gets real weird. Yeah, it's weird. All right, Chris, awesome. what what's your uh, parallel storyline? Um, this was tough because I, I you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, there's some classic storylines that are, would be easy to go with. But I'm I'm gonna go with Civil War. Mm. Um, the the sometimes controversial, like, was it good and was it, you know, like the actual comic version where several things happened and they kind of retcon several. I mean, like what stuck around from civil war, like Spidey uh, had this great moment of like very crazy moment of, uh, of revealing his identity. And then, and um, you know, cap got assassinated towards the end, just like all these things they had to kind of fight for and the superhero registration and everything. And then they kind of all like, it all kind of went away and you know, Mephisto came in and retconned everything. And just And it's like, yeah. okay, oh, but yeah. I would have liked them to just like uncle Ben, the situation and be like, Hey, this is the way things are. This is, you have to live with those consequences. And now, you know, how, how would they keep going? So I, I think it would have been interesting to have a alternate timeline of civil war. Like what if, I mean, you could take one of those moments within Civil War. Like, what if um, it it didn't happen and, and they kind of went about it a different way? It was more of like a shadow secret war uh, or a, a, a shadow civil war. You know, and it wasn't like public, but it was more like, hey, we're going to find out who everybody is in a, in a spy way. Or, you know, what if Spider-Man didn't reveal himself and it didn't the movement didn't take on as much of a, you know, a power catalyst as it did so i think it was a storyline that had like it was 
good, but it had a lot more potential and it kind of fell flat in some areas. And, and I would have liked to have seen like this alternate universe or alternate reality kind of split um, where civil war stuck with some of its premises and, and and just say like, Hey, this is what if cap didn't come back and, and this, we have to live with that now. And, and what if everyone knew who Spider-Man was and like, you know, would it, would it be different? And like, he has to kind of live with that. Yeah. Because the status quo didn't really change in the Marvel universe after the end of that, because of everything that Mephisto did. It was just like, cool, back to back to basics, which yeah. renders that as an event almost. Inert. Yeah, I mean, for the same reason, I almost picked House of M because it was just like kind of a whoa, you know, like Wanda destroys most of the mutants. And then and then that ends and then it kind of changes things. And then, it, then you know, everybody comes back. Now you have this new status quo of mutants and everything. But but I think civil work would connect with, uh, you know, kind of connects with uh, more people with, with just all the different heroes and um, that are there. So um, it, yeah, it, it would be interesting. It would it'd be interesting to kind of see if they stuck with some of these changes, if it wasn't just a stunt, you know, that happens because it's a really, it's a great premise. I mean, it's a very like in world, you know, stakes premise. Absolutely. And I think that that was grounds for so much more that could have been done if they did what you're suggesting, if they just said, let's take the leap, let's have the world know who Peter Parker is. Let's have the, let's have Captain Mm -hmm. America stay dead. And, you know, but instead they were like, Oh, let's kill Kamala Khan and bring her back as a mutant. (laughs) Almost immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's, that's just the Marvel method. They're like, they're like Kamala's dead. Well, she's on like 16 variants for this event. that's about to pop off and she has her titular series. So she's not going for long. That's just another example of them not will- being willing to take risks um, with their with the actual like parts of the books that mean the most. Those books, the, the things that mean the most to most people, like to me, Death of Superman is one of the greatest stories of all time. And it was because they took so long to earn his right to come back after that with like Reign of the Superman mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That made it so deep and like there was some of those books made me cry and, and uh, like, they didn't really do, they're like caps dead, but don't worry. <laughs> and you know, Kamala's dead, but don't worry. And there's even books where you read them now where Spider-Man will be like, yeah, I died once. And so-and-so will be like, who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Cause that's just like Mary Jane's died before and, and this and that. And, and there are no stakes. Thank God for someone like uh, Kyle Higgins. Who's like, what yeah. if our stakes mean something? Mm-hmm. Way to bring it full circle, Mason. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talked about our what if ideas and Mason, you actually have something for our listeners. Yes, I do. So um, Alpha Comics, my publication that that we briefly talked about earlier, um, we've got our second issue of The Cardinal about to hit our Kickstarter. Um, Something that I haven't told anyone is that one of the one of the add ons for that uh, is going to be an issue zero for another character. It will be the prelude to his issue one. It's a 16-page mini-issue for a character called Challenger. As a giveaway, I want to give out a package with issue one and two of the Cardinal, both cover A prints, as well as a very limited run cover B print, which is on foil, to issue one of the Cardinal, Mm. and as well as the first uh, released print of 
the issue zero to challenger that's awesome nice thank you so much for doing that mason that's very cool and i just want to throw this out there mason mason reached out to us and was like hey you guys do these giveaways how about i'll do one to help you out let's save some costs on your end and but we can still do something for your listeners and and we greatly appreciate it i've read the cardinal issue one and two i think our listeners will very much enjoy those issues so in order to win this giveaway all you have to do is we're going to make a post about it but all you have to do is follow mason follow us and then just message in the post that we're going to put out to show that you are following both. Because I'm not going to look through both of our followers and, and try and track <laughs> everything down. So all you have to do, we'll make a post about it. Just say that you that you are following both accounts. So at CBKCast on, on social medias. And then Mason, where can everyone follow you? So for Alpha Comics, it's Alpha Comics Publishing on Instagram. And then on Twitter. Is it Twitter? Is it called Twitter still? We call it that. It's it's X Twitter, Twitterx. I don't know. Twitterx. So on Twitter slash X, I'm at Alpha Comic Books. On Instagram, it's Alpha Comics Publishing, and on Facebook, it is also Alpha Comics Publishing. If if you uh, want to give some love on there and give some love to the comic book keepers um, who genuinely do actually make it an interesting. Um, discussion for people who are you know what's good about y'all is y'all make it accessible for people who don't know where to start you're very clear about being like hey look this isn't this doesn't have to be overwhelming here's here's how you do it here's where you start here's here's the keys that you need to get into thanks so. appreciate it when is the kickstarter uh starting for issue two of the cardinal so um if all goes right i believe we're running the kickstarter uh, about midway through October, so probably anywhere between October 10th and October 15th. But unlike the first round for issue one, I'll have all the copies printed before the Kickstarter. So we'll be able to ship those rewards out much faster. We'll be able to actually meet de the deadline a lot easier. And uh, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna have that. Um, the, I'm hoping that we can have that giveaway package sent out to whoever before the Kickstarter ends. So that person will be the first person to own a physical copy of the Cardinal issue two of challenger issue zero. That is very kind of you. And we will have the links to Mason. So alpha comic social media in the show notes below as well as ours. So all you'll have to do, just let us know that you are following both of those accounts. You're good. And you, you only need to follow it on one of those. So you can follow Mason on Twitter or X or Instagram, Facebook, any of those, just let us know that you have done that as well as our social media. And then you are good to go for this giveaway, which we will again, make an additional uh, social media post about who is the winner for that as well. Uh, Mason, thank you so much for joining in on this issue. You had some information that we didn't even have prepped for Radiant Black. So it was very helpful. Oh, I mean, it's obviously my pleasure. I'm always always down to chat with like-minded people who who just want to nerd out on some of the greatest stories that have been introduced in our lifetime all of our listeners can be looking forward to because mason is definitely coming back on the show i i've already talked to him we want to do a power ranger issue we'll have to decide what power ranger centric thing we want to do but it's gonna happen yeah i'm so stoked for that dude <laughs> yes me too it's gonna be good times so it's time to close the book on radiant black so until next time this is chris and this is lance and this is mason Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books?
closer. Stay radiant.